This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by listeners like you. Thanks for using The Tome's Amazon and DM's Guild affiliate links, and to our patrons who support us directly at patreon.com slash Show. Hi, this is Sean Merwin, freelancer for Wizards of the Coast, and you're listening to The Tome. Welcome to The Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. And in this episode, number 295, we're going to get serious for a little bit as we discuss the issue of sexual harassment, its presence in the gaming community, and what can be done to address it. While me, my being a white, straight, middle-class, educated man does not make me the most qualified person to inject a lot of nuance into this discussion, I have sought out others who can add some much-needed perspective. And yes, I know we're still presenting a fairly narrow uh, list of perspectives, uh, given that all, both of my guests are, to my knowledge, straight white women. Um, unfortunately, it was an issue of time and scheduling, uh, but something we are aware of, and as such... I want you to know that we welcome diverse perspectives on the show. And if you would like to be on any future episode discussing such topics, please email me at thetomeshow at gmail.com. Now, on to the fantastic guests we have with us in this episode who are infinitely more qualified to discuss these issues than I am. First up, she is one of the saints who makes Adventurers League possible as the Southeast Regional Coordinator. Welcome back, Ginny Loveday. Hi, uh, thanks for having me on the show. I don't know if you're uh, aware, but it's been about a year since they disbanded the uh, coordinator oh, program, actually. See, that's what I get. See, you have it listed on your Twitter <laughs> page. That's why I, I pulled oh, that, do I? that title. Yep. <laughs> that's uh, what I get that, for not updating Twitter. That, yeah, well, it's that, okay. I don't a, blame you, though, Jeff. Uh, you, you at, still, least, at, least, yeah, at least you know I don't live in Atlanta, so you you're go. up on Topher. Are, are you still uh, working in Adventures League stuff? I am, of course. Um, I just don't have a title anymore, so okay. I'm doing exactly what I did do. So Just without the title? Un- yeah, unofficially regionally okay. coordinating. Okay. <laughs> and also <laughs> joining us is someone who's just about as connected in the gaming community as anyone I know, and not just because she helps run one of the largest D&D 5th edition communities on Facebook. I want to welcome Paige Lightman. Hello, hello, hello. How do you know so many people in gaming? You are amazing. Uh, well, in I have everybody's got a secret superpower. My <laughs> secret superpower is that I have a collie-like instinct to herd role players. And somewhere in the in the time of three point five, somebody's like, "Wow, we need somebody to help run a con." And I'm like, "You need somebody to help run a con? I can do that. I can run a con." And uh, I've been running cons for 15 years, and I've been helping with organized play for 15 years. And just with that many years in the shoot, you get to you get to know everyone. Oh, very good. Yeah, I mean, you you stay active and you keep doing stuff, and you and people ask you to help, and you say yes. That's a good way to uh, spread your network, right? Yep. Yep. Very good. It all all starts with herding cats. Uh, that's actually how I got into it. Paige will uh, gladly tell you the story of. How I started all at Dragon Con several years back. Actually, it's a funny story, and it deserves being told. Uh, we were running the Epic at Dragon Con three years ago, and we had a line of people, 200 people long, trying to get in, and it was a mob, not a line. Mm. And frankly, the uh, everybody was worried. Like We were worried that we were not going to be able to get stuff organized. And I'm like, I need help. And Ginny was uh, dressed like Little Red Riding Hood. And I said, Ginny, can you get those people in a line? She's like, oh, yeah, sure, I could do it. 
I didn't think she could do it because Jenny's about four and a half feet tall. She's <laughs> a small elfin woman. And uh, sure enough, I walked back out there 15 minutes later. Everybody was lined up by level, alphabetized by class, making absolutely no noise. <laughs> I have no idea what happened. None. Not breaking the fire code. It was very no. important. Wow. Yes. And, and yeah. Jenny, you're not a teacher, huh? Because that's like a teacher level of organization. No. Wow. No. But you could be. You could you could herd those cats too if you got those kinds of skills. If you can herd gamers, you can herd kids. I'm just telling you. It, it's true. It's true. Kids, <laughs> cats, gamers, they're all the same. I've got two cats. Herding. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> all right. So we're going to be talking about uh, uh, the issue of sexual harassment in the gaming community. It's a very uh, topical um topic i guess to be discussing uh given the the level of conversation that's happening in the in our society at large around sexual harassment right now but there has also been um well documented and well um discussed thoroughly discussed issues within the gaming community as well both specific and generic um uh, around that so we're going to talk a little bit about that and 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 where things are at and and what can be done to improve them and make the community more welcoming Uh, before we do that though i want to say thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com slash the tome show it is a growing community of folks who support us and they are awesome plus i sometimes give them a chance to help us decide the things that we're going to be investigating in the show and I want to say thanks to those who those people who support us by shopping on Amazon and DMs Guild using the affiliate links over at thetomeshow.com. All right, now it's time to talk about the issue of sexual harassment in the gaming community. So the first thing I wanted to ask is, is where where do we see sexual harassment being an issue in the gaming community? Like what are the locations where it, where it might happen? You want this one, Jenny? Yeah, I'll take this one. So, uh... Well, that's the thing, though. Just much like in the wider world itself, it's not restricted to any specific area. You you see it at your local gaming store. Um, you see it, and you primarily hear it talked about at conventions. It gets a little bit more publicity there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can happen in your friend's basement where you're playing a home game. It can happen online. Um, online is actually very prevalent, um, hiding behind the safety of your keyboard, as we're all familiar with. Um, and actually, you know, I mean, pretty much, like, it happens everywhere, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, I'm, I'm very pleased because I brainstormed my, some possible answers, and those are the four I came up with. So uh, we're in sync here. Good. Or in your friend's living room. We don't all play in the basement. Absolutely. I have a nice basement, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and I, and I think that I think that's worth pointing out. Like 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 life, it feels like it could happen anywhere, but but the gaming community congregates in certain areas, right? Um, so I think it's worth sort of highlighting those kinds of concepts. So so what does what does sexual harassment look like, and does it change depending on those locations? Uh, I I think it does change depending on location, certainly. I want to point out to particularly our listeners, we largely, for the most part, thank goodness, gotten past the, oh, you're a dumb girl, you can't play D&D, get in the kitchen and make me a sandwich. That mm-hmm. pretty much only happens in uh, in Call of Duty. Um, <laughs> in D&D... I mean, have we it, gotten past it or is it just less common now? Eh, I think we've mostly gotten okay. past it. I, there's, there's a few retrograde dinosaurs who I'm sure do that, but they're blessedly few in number. 
what you're seeing most often uh, when it comes to harassment is the creation of an environment that isn't particularly welcoming to both women and uh, and minorities. Because whatever mm-hmm. Jenny and I are going to talk about today uh, and our experiences, as you pointed out, a black woman, a gay woman, a trans woman is going to have it much harder than we do. Mm-hmm. And anything we say also applies to um, persons of color in gaming, LGBT plus people in gaming. Mm-hmm. So and, what and, we see, and we've, about- and we've had episodes talking about uh, about some of that in the past uh, with different people from different perspectives as well. So uh, yeah. hopefully we're not completely ignoring <laughs> ignoring that 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 narrative, right? Right. Yeah. It just it just all overlaps. Right. Um, more more than anything, rather than the he-man woman haters club you see more kind of low-level snide commentary or you see um an environment that is not set up to be welcoming to women which is really different than harassment because when Mm. i think a lot of people see harassment they're thinking you know harvey weinstein and casting couch and that kind of terrible terrible stuff i'm not saying that stuff never goes on in gaming but that's I believe, a blessedly rare occurrence. Most of the harassment that you're going to see is much more subtle than that. And it's not necessarily something that's going to get your your women or your, you know, like Paige said, your minorities or even, you know, sometimes men. Men get harassed, too. I mean, so it's not something that's going to immediately be like, oh, you know, this is, you know, sexual harassment and I'm never coming back. This is so bold and in your face. No. It's that mostly what you're going to see is that insidious little stuff that just kind of picks and picks and picks at you. And to where you're like, I, I can't take it being here. You know, and then you're like, I'm never going to come here again. You just feel like either you aren't welcome, you're not represented, people aren't listening to you, you don't feel safe, you don't feel respected. I mean, because that's, that's the most important part right there is uh, harassment usually entails a lack of respect and it's and it's not the kind of thing generally at least in my experience the kind of thing where a woman stands up slaps the guy who did it and stomps out never to be seen again more likely you're gonna say uh you know i tried D, but it just wasn't for me it's not my game Mm -hmm. and that's a real shame that's a real loss of uh, some great players and some great authors and some great organizers by alienating these women. Mm. It's um, little things like always over-sexualizing stuff in games, uh, rape jokes, which aren't funny, um, or, you know, anytime someone's playing a female character um, belittling females in-game as well as, you know, your actual females at your table. Because even if you're being perfectly nice to the females sitting at your table, if you as a DM or as players are constantly um, putting the female figures in your games in lower positions, or you're making them subservient, or they're always the butt of the joke, then you get that same feeling Mm. that you know, you've got no respect for females. And mm-hmm. if they've got no respect for females, why do you want to be there? Mm-hmm. And it's and it's subtle. And it, it also, it doesn't mean that you're a terrible person if some of these things happen. Like, like one of the, like, I got a pop quiz. I got a pop quiz for all of our listeners out in listener land. Uh, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention some characters, and I want you to picture them in your head. I want you to picture a wise elven sage. Picture what that sage looks like. Now picture a greedy blacksmith. Now a brave town sheriff. Picture what that sheriff looks like in your mind. Now picture a stubborn alchemist. And now an evil lich. So we have a sage, a blacksmith, a sheriff, an alchemist, a lich. Now think to yourself, how many of those characters were female in your head? As a bonus question, how many of them were not white? If you thought they were all white guys, that doesn't mean you're a terrible, evil person. That just means you were probably raised in America in the latter half of the 20th century and the first part of the 21st. And it's just about opening that viewpoint a little bit mm-hmm. to make games a little more accessible to women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I'm sitting here in the middle of this conversation, and uh, less than half of those that I thought of were, were in my head female, so... Um, it is it is, socialization is a strong force in our lives, and, and it is important, I think, to be cognizant of that and uh, try to combat it well where we can. <clears throat> I, I find a lot of times, personally, um, I try to be very aware of not doing this, but when I'm just creating NPCs on the fly and not really thinking about it, I tend to default to either not describing gender or describing most of them as men, and I try to actively work against that instinct uh but it's still my my ingrained instinct uh and i'm i'm aware of it and i'm aware that it's problematic and then when i don't assign a gender my players usually assign uh, assume that it's a man and then sometimes i i I turn it around and, and surprise them and explain that it's not but and it's easy to fall into even when you're um you know making your own home game or when you're writing an adventure or describing an npc those tropes like the the damsel in distress, uh, the the helpless woman, the brave you know and noble uh, man come to a, to the rescue uh, of the party, the the wise old white wizard. I mean, and those those are things that like we've seen them in media, and you've gotten so used to them that it's it's easy to call to mind that. And like I said, none of this means that you're a a racist necessarily or that you're a terrible human being it's just a matter of making that conscious choice to include representation mm-hmm. in your um in your games and actually uh speaking of that though wizards themselves is doing a fantastic job uh of representation i don't know if you've uh got the new xanathar's book and looked mm-hmm. at the artwork in it but it has Dozens of wonderful, strong women of all kind of ethnicities, men of all kind of ethnicities. Uh, it's got creatures that are, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, not necessarily, you know, man or woman looking, but they all, you know, it's it's got a lot of representation in it, and you know, they're not always putting the man as the fighter. Actually, even in the player's handbook, the uh, artwork of the fighter in there, like the first one was this strong, beautiful black woman. Mm -hmm. And that just really, you know, uh, that makes people like that want to sit at your table. They want to play the game. They see their face. They can imagine themselves in the story doing the things, being the brave adventurers or the greedy adventurers or the murdering hobos, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) whatever it is that floats your boat. We've all got a little murder hobo in us. 
Yeah, and I and I uh, I mean I think we commented on it way back when the the player's handbook came out that there's there was clearly an effort towards a more inclusive um, appearance for the book and inspiration for the book and less sexualized. I mean, some of those tropes are still kind of there if you look for them, right? But um, but they they've clearly tried to to consider that. Um, it, it's been a, it's a long ways from. The old black and white sketches of the chainmail, uh, bikini-clad uh, warrior woman, right? Absolutely. And it, it was really Paizo that led the way with Pathfinder, because mm-hmm. it came out between kind of four-ish and five-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paizo led the way with Pathfinder with putting um, strong women doing powerful things into their art, and they made some real inroads in communities of game players that 3rd edition flat out missed. Mm-hmm. And then when 5th edition rolled around, Wizards is smart enough to, to see what their comp- competition's doing, and so they really um, moved us into the modern era. And it has been, I think, a had a ripple effect throughout the game in general. We're seeing so many more women playing now than we did 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it starts at the top. Wizards made a conscious decision about their artwork, which was a conscious decision to market to women and also minorities. It's yeah. great. Although, and I'm not sure that, like, I'm not sure that as I see what they're doing that I feel like they're explicitly marketing to women and minorities so much as they're, they've stopped alienating those groups, right? Uh, which can go a long ways. Yeah, sure, sure. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's really nice to see the hero that I want to be uh, in that book mm-hmm, now. Absolutely. Because she hadn't been there. She hadn't been there in other books. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, I agree. Yeah, I want to be represented as something besides the um, scantily dressed sorceress. Even though I like her, she's she's a great character. It makes freedom of movement. There's <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot to be said for that, but, but it's good to be. You know, I can be the paladin, full armored, strong warrior woman, or you know the. the the druid, you know, wise and sage and all that. I mean, I can I can see myself in all of those now because I've seen artwork, you know, official artwork. Uh, and that kind of, uh, I guess that's a little bit into like how how do we make people feel um, more welcome, um, which generally kind of helps lead into. Uh, discouraging, you know, harassment because if you've got, it's, it's you know, I hate to say it, but if you've got one woman in a store with, you know, 20, 30 men, and that's the regular clientele, then she's more likely to be harassed than if you've got a pretty even mix in your store. You know, if you've got like half men and half women, I mean, there there is, you know, of course, as we've always been taught, you know, safety in numbers. Like the more women you have the less emboldened um, others feel to make those kind of remarks. So, I mean, that's really one thing that stores themselves, coming down a little bit from that high level, need to look at. Are they encouraging women, you know, people of color, minorities, to come to their stores, to come to their conventions, or whatever it is that you have, to come to their gaming spaces and play? Do those, you know, do those people feel welcome in those spaces? 
I mean, because obviously the key is to avoid any kind of harassment. That would be an ideal world, one where everyone is happy, welcome, respected, and we don't have that. That's what we're striving for. Uh, I mean, so I think, Paige, I think you had some kind of ideas there on like um, what we could do to make that encourage. Yeah, so Ginny and I thought about it, and it's like, if I was a, if I was a game store owner, because most gamers, somewhere deep in their heart, have some desire or at least some dream, some daydreams, like man, I want to have my own game store. So the the thought experiment becomes, if I had my own game store, what would I do, and how would I how would I look at making my store more attractive to women? Because you might live in a place that's majority white. Like and so your game store demographics are majority white, but you do not live in a place that's majority male. Like right. those places just don't exist in the United States, not in any great number. Uh, so if you look at your clientele, if you walk into a game store and look at the clientele, are the clientele all dudes? If so, there's something about the store itself that is not letting women know that they are desired to be there. So if you look at your game space and it's all dudes, you might consider some changes in order to bring in more people. And my, my gig in this is that I want as many people as possible to play and enjoy D&D. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a whole lot of women out there that are an untapped market for it. So one thing you can do is you can look at the art and posters in your convention hall, in your game store, and and are they exploitative? I mean, are they are they cheesecake? I mean, mm -hmm. I'm I'm 46, so I was going to game stores in Atlanta in the 80s, and all the artwork was just cheesecake, mm -hmm. which is fine. You know, I I like cheesecake art in small doses. Uh, I, I want to see posters that show women having agency and power. I want to see Wonder Woman. I mean, that's my hero. And uh, now we're finally living in an era where you got so much more art and a great choice in your art for your store to have black and brown heroes, to have women heroes, so that all of your customers know that the heroes look just like they do. Um, another option is to have newbie knights, because... It can be um, very intimidating to go into a game store that is mostly a male space. So if you have a newbie night, that kind of lowers that barrier of intimidation. And you put some women in working in your newbie night. Like have women DMs or have women game teachers or have women magic judges. And make sure the DMs you pick are very good about including all kinds of minority persons into the game. Look at your staff in your game store or at your convention. Is it mostly white dudes? If so, you need to consider diversifying your staff. If you can't find women and people of color that have the necessary knowledge and skills to staff your score, store, then you need to go train them. Train up some women magic judges. Train up some women DMs. And you may find you're reaching a whole lot of customer groups that you weren't before. Hmm. And I think that's, you know... Uh, creating that whole welcoming environment is especially important at conventions. I mean, as much as game stores are the foundation of the community, conventions are where we get so many of our new players. 
I mean, I know I run uh, D&D at MomoCon. Uh, Paige does DragonCon. Well, did, does. She'll never get away from it. <laughs> um, and the you're, amount you're of... You're probably right. <laughs> it's okay. It's wishful thinking. But in the number of new players that I've taught each year that I've been doing it is exponentially growing. And having, um, you know, a woman at the front table, I've gotten so many comments on the fact that they're like, no, you were running it, and I saw that, and I was like, well, I've got to go play with, you know, there's a, there's a blue girl over there teaching D&D. <laughs> uh, and, you know, that's just very encouraging. I mean, and the other thing is I've gotten feedback um, you know, anonymous feedback on um, from one person. They were so thankful that they were able to play, and it wasn't you know the horror that they thought it would be. Like no one was making fun of them for playing. You know, I got a whole table of uh, girls and you know decked out in their anime cosplay and everything. And they were super excited to learn D and D, and you know sat them down with one of my DMs who was running new player tables. And they had a blast. Um, you know, so it's really important to just be open to having everyone, anyone, old, young, black, white, Asian, female, transgender, gay, you know, straight. It doesn't matter. Everyone plays the game the same. Mm. The rules are the same for everyone. So if we're treating everyone like that, then we don't really have to worry about sexual harassment so much. It's It's... You know, it's being inclusive. And it sounds so simple, right? So, I mean, it's, like I said. Yeah, and I, th- and I think the the inclusiveness and the welcoming is a really good sort of long-term um, solution, right? Because as people are more exposed and that and that just becomes the norm, then it changes the, the social behavior. Um, but there's also the question of the more short-term, immediate, like in-the-moment something is happening and and you get that kind of this is this is unwanted this is creepy um somebody's crossed the line here how do you handle that because because there's a difference between the wel the not welcoming piece that we're largely discussing and the the more overt harassment piece that you say isn't very common but i would argue still happens oh it definitely does so as far as addressing harassment you see harassment going on the most important thing is if it does happen, and, and it does, you're not wrong, Joe, then you say something. Say something right then. You don't have to be aggressive about it. I mean, uh, you know, Paige and I and some other friends of ours have come up with some really useful phrases. Uh, and my, my favorite, uh, when someone says something that's just completely out of line or, it, you know, it's, it's a bit harassing, is, hey, you know, that's not cool. It really just it shuts it down. Doesn't leave any room for argument. It doesn't, you know, start a whole tirade. You're just telling them politely but firmly. Let's not say that again. That's not, you know, that's not welcome behavior here. Same along those lines. We don't do that here. Um, you know, what do you mean by that? You know, uh, that's mean. Because yeah, if you the minute somebody says something terrible, and you kind of look at them like pause so everybody is now looking at you and you turn around and look at them and say what did you mean by that 
then there's kind of a moment where everybody at the table is looking at the jerk who said something mean and is like, mm. well, gosh, dude, what'd you say? That's not cool. Because we have this epidemic. Like, I, I see this all the time, and it makes me really frustrated. We have this epidemic of guys who are saying, well, I've never seen anybody sexually harass a woman at my table. It never right. happens. You guys are making this up. And that's yeah. bullshit because it happens all the time. Or the or the not all men movement sort of thing, right? Right, uh, right. Uh, it happens, but a lot of women just kind of like just don't say anything and let it kind of pass over. Mm. And you are far better as a woman or as a man who's seeing it saying, hey, dude, that's not cool. And calling attention to it and then moving on. Mm-hmm. If you don't say anything... The assumption is that you agree with it. Whether that's right or wrong, silence is acceptance. Mm. That's fair. The most important thing, most important thing is to say something. You know, and fortunately, if you're playing organized play or if you're playing at most conventions, you can, it's just as simple as, hey, did you read the Code of Conduct? Mm-hmm. You, can, you can point to that. You don't have to be the bad guy. You can point to the rules. And the rules say, you know, you know, let's not let's not do this. Yeah, and and that's a difference between you know playing in an organized setting like a game store or a convention than than you might see in your home game. Um, I imagine if if something like that is happening in a home game and it happens because um, these are people that you're choosing to be with, right? It's not random strangers. It's not the people, you know. Uh, the the people you're not really friends with that but you you bump into them once a week at the game store or whatever um, these are people that you've invited into or somebody's invited into their home right um, so I imagine that takes a little that could that could go to an, a, a different level um, it, if, if it's not addressed it could and, and you know sometimes you know you don't feel comfortable saying something about it so you've always got the option to leave leave the game. I know it's not, not always the easiest mm-hmm. thing to do. You can leave the game immediately. You can explain, you know, to your host later that this isn't really the game for you, you know, and then don't come back. Um, whatever, you know, whatever level of, I guess, confrontation, because there's a little bit of it there, right. that you feel comfortable with, or if you don't, I mean, you can just, I mean, that is, you know, leaving and not tolerating it, not putting up with it. Don't don't allow people to continue to make you feel unsafe. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, I know it's difficult when it's a group of your friends. And in that case, I mean, the most important thing is to try to tell them the truth. Tell them why you don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, tell them that maybe they said a word that you know just really. You know, doesn't make you doesn't make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know I know I've got uh, a group of acquaintances, and they they picked up a word that was rather uncouth. And you know, I've had to several times be like, "Hey, man, you know, I like you guys and all, but that word's not cool. What's mm-hmm. not?" So I mean, it's hard when it's your friends. You're 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 totally right. But I mean, you can keep your your friendship if that's what you value. You can find another game table, like. You, you, but really though, if they're if they're harassing you, you've got to think about what's most important to you. Mm. First and foremost, you could consider your safety and consider how you know it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I imagine the um, it's hard, but it it might be helpful 
if you're close enough friends with certain people at the table, like it might be helpful having those conversations. Like, you know, so and so keeps, you know, um, uh, saying things that that I that, that are unwanted. I've expressed that they're unwanted, and it keeps happening. Um, you know, it's it's going to have to either stop or I'm going to another table, and then maybe they could put the kibosh on it. Or, you know, I know. If this kind of thing happens at my table, the answer is, okay, well, if it doesn't stop, they're gone. Because I'm not going to kick you out for their bad behavior. So they get to leave instead, you know. Um, but I understand that that's tough, right? That's that's difficult. And these are your friends. And these are people you know. And these are people you're choosing to hang out with. The, the other piece of advice I have is there's a certain demographic of people that lose their minds mm. if you say that's sexist it is it is a word that causes an unreasonable and unreasoning reaction so a good opening tactic is to say things like not cool because you're not calling them a sexist you're saying that's not cool mm-hmm. or if you say that's not fair or that's not right i I mean, you got to know your audience, and if you're not sure what you're dealing with, sometimes that's not fair or that's not right can get through the emotional BS to some kind of logic uh, and help people realize what is going on. Hmm. And I I don't know uh, if you've had had, uh, what your experience is with this, but um, would you also say it might be okay or might be effective to talk about how how it, whatever's going on affects you. So then it becomes personal about you, but not about them, um, you know, to encourage them. So as, so as to avoid them becoming defensive, like you were talking about. I mean, I, I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah. You, you, you can, in some cases, I think absolutely. You could talk to the person, you can tell them, you know, why a word is offensive to you. I mean, tell uh, kind of, I guess the, the story of it. I mean, a gentle, friendly course correction, if it were. Um, you know, maybe they don't realize the history of a word. Mm. Um, you know, it's one they've picked up from probably the internet. We'll just go with that. That's where all the all the bad words <laughs> all come the bad from. words come from. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, they they don't they don't necessarily realize the connotations of what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And it's not so, – I imagine it's not just the word but also the the behavior and the attitude that goes with the word that's that's uh, as if not more problematic. Yes, yeah. I mean generally, yes. Yeah. Paige, you want to say something? Yeah, so in, a, in an equivalent situation, uh, Jenny, you want me to tell the story or do you, do you want to tell this story? You about it. Okay. So a dear friend of, of mine who is a lovely human being – as a kid, uh, right out of high school, was playing a game in college, and she talked about trying to bargain with uh, somebody in the game. She says, yeah, I'll just jew them down to something or other. And, you know, the game played out, and then afterwards, the DM pulled her aside and says, look, man, it, it's not cool to say things like jewing somebody down. That's not welcome at this table. And she was stunned. She had no idea. Mm. And she was, she felt really bad. In fact, she still feels kind of bad about it. But then she went back and played the game and everything was fine. Mm-hmm. You know what? It, it For a moment of awkwardness, you can take 
your home game and make it a place that's kind of uncomfortable to a place that's really good for you just by telling people what you need. And I'm, and I'm not just talking to the women who are listening out there. Guys, this is really important. If mm-hmm. you see a woman having defensive body posture, if she's got her arms crossed up around her chest or she doesn't seem particularly excited maybe about coming to the game, you know, look at the attitudes and actions of the other guys around the table because maybe something's going on and maybe you don't see it, but maybe you can see it if you start looking for what might be might be not appropriate at that table. And I find that most gamers are pretty pretty awesome people, and if they become aware, like if you have that conversation, um, odds are they're going to want to correct the behavior, not become defensive, and not make it worse and whatever. I know that that is, uh, I imagine, an underlying fear. Like if I say something, it's just going to get worse, and it's going to turn into a whole thing, and it's just not worth it. Um, but I, I imagine, at least anecdotally in my experience, uh, most gamers are pretty cool, and would react in a positive way to that conversation, not in a negative way. Like your friend that you explained, right? She feels bad about it, but like I'd rather somebody feel bad about it and recognize the issue and then not do it anymore than, than become confrontational and fight over it. Yeah, because D&D it is a very social game. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very social game, and gamers as a whole, almost every one of them I've ever met or dealt with, really wants to get in there and play a social game and have fun. Mm-hmm. That's what everybody is. That's what everybody is after. Absolutely. So, so we've talked about sort of the the things that can happen at the table and the unwanted comments or the the forward advances, the the the, the disrespectful use of language and what have you that can happen at the table. What about what's ha- and we talked about representation in games, but what about behavior in games? What if there's an unwanted like romantic uh overture in game um that cr- crosses that line? How do, how do, is, is that handled differently or is that the same thing because that's a unique uh pop potential for sexual harassment in gaming that doesn't exist in the in the wider world. So, true story. I'm I'm a moderator, one of 20, mind you, but I'm a moderator on this group of uh, 115,000 people. So we see a truly amazing cornucopia of Mm. terrible behavior. (laughs) Um, uh, And a few weeks ago, uh, a woman was saying she stomped out of a game because the DM made her role to see if her woman character was getting her period. It's 2017. We just can't do that. Like that is that is just not appropriate in any way shape or form. It it does happen. Those things do happen. They're blessedly rare. But at that point in time, you've got to be very forthright with your DM like, "Hey, that is not cool. That is not cool and I'm not going to be here and deal with it." And I've read horror stories of you know, female characters in game, whether it be played by, you know, a man or a woman playing a female character, the DM allowing their character to be raped by another mm-hmm. player's character. Like, you've taken away her, you know, her own autonomy mm-hmm. over over her character at that point. And it, it basically, like, yeah, sure, it's not real, it's in the game. Nobody really got raped. But if she didn't want... If her character 
you know, wasn't consenting to that, it doesn't it, it doesn't feel good. Sure. And it certainly I mean, makes you question, like, wh- whose fantasy is it to, to act that out? And why? how am I sitting at this table with them? Right. I mean, <laughs> and that's a, it's a, it creates definitely a very awkward situation. Because then, then you're definitely questioning, I mean, you, and hopefully the other players are questioning, you know, like, you're like, this is weird. This is very, you know, I would, I would be sitting there thinking, this is very awkward, and why, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, first off, I mean, what does that add to your game? What could that possibly add to your game? <laughs> I mean, and then you, you, you basically, you know, each person is controlling their own character. Like, if, if, if in game, you're allowing them to have no control over their character, then, you know, it kind of says a lot about maybe not how you're, you're acting, but maybe about how you, I don't know, want to. Mm. It just, it just, it makes for a very uncomfortable table situation. Mm-hmm. And I know personally, if you know, I'm playing a character, and, and DM allowed my character to be bodily harassed against my wishes. I mean, then, especially by another player. I mean, you know, an NPC being a, a, a very lecherous womanizer or whatever. That's different because then I'm obviously going to be allowed to take, you know, action against him. Right. Uh, but but you can't you you can't fight your other players at the table without creating just a, a hostile situation between players over their characters being at odds with one another. Mm. Although and, I would argue the person doing the the raping is the one who created the hostile environment. But okay, yes, I get your no, point. No, I'm not disagreeing with that. Like yeah. the person the person doing the raping is obviously doing something wrong. The DM is allowing it. And again, we circle back around to that, you know, not stopping it. Like, as the DM, you are in charge of the table. Obviously, the person whose character is trying to rape the other player's character, that's not cool. That is, we all, everyone agrees that's not cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's obviously not something that should never be brought up to begin with. But allowing it to happen, it just goes, you know, that's one step further. Like, he didn't, he's trying, you know, one character is trying to do that to another. You're obviously, you're like, not cool. I don't, you know, really like you. I don't feel comfortable around you. But then it's allowed to happen, and suddenly you feel uncomfortable participating in that game mm-hmm. entirely. And, and this is one of the reasons why I tell anyone who is interested in Dungeons and & Dragons and they want to get into it, or they used to play 20 years ago and they want to get back into it, or they're looking for a game for their kids, to always start with organized play. Uh, because in organized play, you have adventures that are set out, and that is not a thing that happens. And you have a code of conduct at the table, and that is not something that's allowed. And so there are social mores and expectations on an Adventures League game that positively reinforce good behavior and explicitly um, uh, do not allow that kind of thing to happen. Mm-hmm. And the good news about it is since Adventures League groups tend to kind of mix around, like you play with one group of people this week and two new people next week and then three new people the week after that, you cross-pollinate with enough people where you can get a, a good understanding of the culture. And uh, as a general whole, the Adventures League culture is quite good. Yeah, and that, that seems fair. And, and, and that's definitely true of, of like if you're doing a game store at Adventures League sort of setup, right? 
Um, if you're running adventures like at adventures home. On, at home, that you, but yeah, but then you may not have a, the mix of people changing it quite as often if you're you, if you're running it out of the home. That is certainly true, but you still have the expectations of the culture, right? I would hope so. Yeah, and and that is why one of the things that Jenny and I both believe very strongly in, and we are certainly not alone in this, is that every game store. Every convention needs to have a code of conduct to help reinforce that culture mm. because that is in the game store owner's best interest. That is certainly in the con's best interest. Uh, I've never run a game store, but boy, have I run a lot of cons, and I can promise you it is in the con's best interest. Mm-hmm. It needs to be displayed prominently, clearly. You know, put a big, big banner up as people are walking into your gaming hall. Put it by the register. Put it in the bathroom. We all know everyone reads in the bathroom. <laughs> you know, tack it to the fridge where drinks are sold. You put it where you know people see it. And then when they say, hey, I didn't know, you're like, ah, uh, you know, you probably did. Right. I mean, and that kind of goes along with, you know, leading by example. Mm-hmm. Like, you're in charge, you're running the store, you're running the con, you're running the the forum, you're running the community, whatever it is that you're leading, be that positive force. You gotta walk the walk or no mm-hmm. one's gonna walk it with you. You know, that it kind of falls on people who are at the forefront of the community to, you know, lead by example. You gotta point people out when they're being inadvertently sexist. You gotta make everyone welcome. You gotta make people see that what you're doing and like Paige said, we've all secretly want to be the convention organizer or the store owner or whatever it is because no one knows it's not a glamorous job. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to imitate you, so do it. Do do you know? Do your part. So you you talked about you know we talked about calling people out and and what have you. Um, what if the the uh, what if somebody is. Uh, in a position of some prominence, a guest of honor, that kind of stuff, and there are uh, tales of harassment um, f- from the past or from that convention or whatever of that of that guest. How how does that uh, affect the the um, sort of dynamic? And it's funny you say that. And I ask there because have- because there have been stories uh, floating around lately. Yeah, there there have there have been uh, very prominent people in the gaming community have been called out for uh, less than stellar behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, allegations, um, accusations have been made. I don't, don't want to make it a, a naming the names kind of podcast, but um, I think some of the conventions and stuff have done an admirable job. Remove them from the guest list. Yep. You know? Ab- absolutely zero tolerance. Like, every... Everybody knows who these guys are, even if it's not official, even if it's not, you know, no no charges have been filed. There's a whole whisper network of so-and-so has done such-and-such such for 10 years, and they're not going to change. They're not freaking invited. I don't want mm-hmm. them in my game space. And you know what? Nobody at Wizards of the Coast does either, because those guys have been walking the walk and leading by example, and they have no tolerance for any of that kind of... Bur- you need wizards, that kind of stuff. Wizards actually really recently, and, and they, they posted it on their Twitter, and they posted it everywhere, so I'll talk about it for a second. They have uh, come out publicly as 
being speaking up about harassment and cyberbullying. Mm. Um, it wasn't D and D related, but there was a popular cosplayer who played magic who very publicly left the community following you know months of alleged abuse, and they took assertive action. You know, they made a public post. They made a stand. And that's that's really you know what we're talking about mm-hmm. here with leading by example. I mean because they've done that, um, then obviously people who are thinking about you know making fun of people in the community, um, sexually harassing them, you know, po- you know being toxic, are going to think twice about that now. Hopefully, mm-hmm. and and it's people like uh, Mike Merles, Chris Perkins, Matt Colville. Uh, Chris Lindsay, Trevor Kidd. Did I say Chris Perkins? I'll say Chris Perkins again. Uh, these guys have said up front and always that's not tolerated. And if you're listening to this podcast and you have a problem at your table, then you need to look at the people who are leading from the top because they are on your side. If you, if 100% you, of the time. If it's a DM... Making you feel uncomfortable? Talk to the organizer. If it's the organizer, talk to the store owner or the convention runner. If it's that high up, then you can go above them. You can contact, if you're playing organized play, you can contact, you know, the admins. You can you can contact me if you just want to have someone to talk to and to have an ally. You can contact Paige. I mean, you can, there are admins in any forum that you're on. Um, if you go to members, you can click on admins, you can see who those admins are. You can contact any of those people. All of us here as leaders in the community, we're on your side. We want to be there to support you. So don't ever feel like you're alone. Yeah, now so the the story of the... the uh magic cosplayer um, that you discussed and the response and the supportive response from Wizards of the Coast uh, brings up another interesting point. Like we mentioned four primary locations where this kind of thing tends to happen in the gaming community. Stores, cons, uh, home games, and the internet. But we haven't really talked much about the internet uh, and, and what it looks like and how to handle when there's harassment going on the internet because that's that's a location that's different enough that I feel like it, it plays out differently. I mean, I'm not a moderator of a large forum like Paige. I'm going to let her gather her thoughts sure. for a second. And, and this, is, this is where it's particularly unfortunate that Tracy couldn't join us tonight because I know she has uh, years of history with this. So what you see online are those anonymous, you know, faceless people mm-hmm. and they're saying that i mean the rudest crudest things they're sending you uh sexually explicit private messages they're um constantly you know uh derogatory posts um they're incessantly um you know kind of you you come in and you say something about you know maybe maybe somebody has a rules question and you answer it and they're like oh no you're not right they're dismissive Right. It's it's the same kind of behaviors, but it's a little more noticeable. If you, I mean, her, I mean, it's the same kind of harassment. It's just in written text. So, I mean, but the thing about it being online is you've got a lot of avenues because you've got evidence. Hmm. So I will. Thing, I will say 
if you are in a game space online, you're being harassed. Twitter is not going to help you. Reporting things to Twitter is not going to do you a darn bit of good. Right. Reporting things to Facebook is incredibly useless. Frustratingly so. Mm-hmm. Lock the bejesus out of out of the people who are giving you a hard time. Like, mm-hmm. just excise them from your entire existence. It is literally not worth your time. And I feel like... It is, th- is oh. just not worth your time. Yeah, and I feel like the response... To, in my mind, could be it should be different depending whether you are the target or the or a witness, right? Uh, if I'm the target of something like that, then you're blocked. You don't exist in my world anymore, and you don't have the right to to talk to me anymore, right? Um, if I'm a witness to something like that, I don't I don't necessarily block the person, but confront the person, make it clear to them that their behavior is not acceptable and the community does not support them. The um, thing is, some of these jerks, and we see them in mm-hmm. the Facebook group, like I said, with a hundred thousand people in it, if, if only one percent of them are terrible, toxic trolls. Mm. That's still a lot of trolls we have to deal with. Yep. Um, you, you don't want to feed it, the troll. Don't feed them. Don't give them any attention. Don't give them any air. Don't give them any sunlight. Ignore the bejesus out of them. Mm-hmm. Go to a moderator because a moderator. It, on Facebook, Ian World, Reddit, what have you, has some ability, or Roll20 forums, or uh, Fantasy Grounds forums, has some ability to punish this person for their bad behavior. Twitch chat. Twitch moderator. chat. Moderator. Twitch chat. They, you, you have a moderator that can punish someone for their bad behavior. On and, Twitter, and what, all you can do is block. But yeah. don't, you can't fight them as a as a witness. You have zero power to fight them, and in fact, you're mm. just making the moderator's job harder if you get in there and start swinging. Just call in an airstrike, get a moderator, and if that moderator is not paying attention to you properly, then find a different moderator, or you come to me, or Jenny, or Matt Mercer, or or Mike Merles or somebody. Or whoever is you, in charge of that forum. Yeah, and let them know that their moderators are, are not doing their job. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know who's in charge of the forum, go to someone that you know. Mm. You know, someone that you know is on, a, on, on another forum. Like like you said, we know we know people. That's kind of the people in the community. That's, that's, that's our superpower. <laughs> like, I might not run the forum, but I probably can either contact the person who runs the forum a little bit easier than you can, or I know someone who's like best friends with them, or I don't know. It's right. like five degrees of separation, but it's probably only like three. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, now, when I say call them out for it, I, I wasn't talking like coming out swinging and, and giving them the bullet points, but just, you know, just the response like the that's not cool kind of thing. Is that okay, or is it just best to stay out of it and just tag a moderator and, and not say anything uh, else? That's not cool, or some kind of low level stuff like that is right. fine. Okay. But. But, but not helpful. <laughs> eh, no, it's actually good. It's okay. actually good. If, if nothing else, it's good for the victim to see that you don't tolerate what happened to her or him. Mm-hmm. Um, it the problem comes is when you get in a heated argument and start throwing na- right. calling names at whoever did it, because then the moderator comes in and can't figure out who started it. Right. So. That's not cool, man. Hey, did you read the code of conduct? That's not fair. Uh, that kind of stuff is fine, but don't get don't get into it farther than that. Right. 
There's, there's always the, it's the internet, so there's always the axiom of don't feed the trolls, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Un- unfortunately, that does make it a little different than in real life. When in real life, you definitely want to confront them, and there, you know, a slight degree of I- acknowledging that it's it's not cool that hey man, you're being rude to her, and then summon summon the mods. Mm-hmm. And and also reaching out to the victim at that point is not a terrible thing to do. Saying, hey, I saw what that guy said. That's totally not fair. I've contacted a mod. Yeah, I contacted a mod, and I think you had a totally valid point. Hmm. Um, also, if there are ladies listening out there who, uh, or, or non-binary folks out there who have had bad experiences and are um, a little wary of some of these spaces, there are some really good women-only spaces to talk about gaming stuff that is a good place to regain your confidence before mm-hmm. you go out back to the real world. Uh, definitely look around for them. They're there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and really, especially with harassment online, it's not just relegated to women. Like, I'm, I'm sure I've known dozens of people who completely just avoid all of the main Adventurers League boards because of trolls. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, you know, having the, the proper attitude about we as a community have to work together to discourage this type of harassment. Like, we need to remove people like that from the boards. We need to, you know, call it out so it gets removed. You need to teach other people, you know, <laughs> how to behave in public. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. So, I mean, it, it's... And then, you know, be supportive of one another. If, you know, someone says that they're being harassed online, and especially if they come to you with, like, screenshots, you need to believe them. I mean, it, that, and that that in itself, you know, is important. Someone says, well, someone's been stalking me online. I mean, you can't just be like, oh, no. You're overreacting, or oh no, he's he's not he's not harassing you. He doesn't mean it like that. They don't like other people don't get to decide for you what's harassment. Yeah, they, don't don't let anybody say you're just being sensitive. That's bull. That's not right. They can't determine what the narrative is for you. Mm-hmm. You're the only person who knows if you're being harassed. If anyone is trying to convince you otherwise, they're they're gaslighting you. Mm. And it's probably fair to, to, you know, if it's a one-time thing, you say something to the person, you, you confront the person, and hopefully it stops, and that's the end of it, right? Um, but we're, we're, we're primarily talking about the people who, who don't let it go, who, are, who will Continu- harass and harass and harass. Continued, persistent harassment. Right. And, and I want to stress that's very rare. So I'm, I'm 46, which means I'm ancient. I, I started playing D&D with a red box in the early 80s, and I had to bully my little brother and his stinky friends into playing with me because none of my girlfriends would play with me. And I have been playing and DMing Dungeons & Dragons forever at this point. And we are in such a good place right now. This mm. I, this podcast kind of sounds dark and gloomy. <laughs> and, and we have come so far. We've come so far. And... There are so many more women DMs now. There are so many more women content creators now. There's all kinds of great games, not just Dungeons & Dragons, but other great games as well mm. that have a lot of really vibrant women authors and women uh, like uh, 
like uh, publishers and directors. Um, at, and there's so many more women playing D&D now. Like the number of women I see in conventions in the past 10 years versus 1985 to 1995 is, is doubled. Pro- probably doubled, maybe more than doubled. Mm. Certainly the number of women DMs have doubled. When I see 14-year-old girls uh, DMing, like I just makes my heart want to explode because that would have that would have never happened hardly thirty years ago. And we're definitely no, I definitely agree with that. Like this is it makes it sound terrible, but community is great. It's better than it's ever been. It can be better. It can right. always be better. But I mean, even from when I really you know head first into nerd life uh, a little over a decade ago. You know, started going to my first, you know, full, just diving into magic tournaments. You know, like, I had a lot of weird looks. You know, young, uh, fairly attractive, I've been told. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, woman, woman, you know, and they're like, ah, hey, uh, we, you know, you here watching your boyfriend? I'm like, no, we're, we're playing. This is my match. You know, I got a lot of that. And... I don't, I don't get that now. I don't get people who, like I'm telling them, I'm going to a convention. People don't question me anymore. They're like, oh, that's cool. What are you going to do there? I'm like, I'm going to, you know, run some D&D. And they're like, that's super cool. You'll have to tell me how fun it is. You know, so we've grown so much. Like, it's, awesome. it's an, enti- an entirely different world from even, you know, just a, a decade ago when I started doing all this, much less from, you know, when people older than me, um, I, 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 I only jokingly now hear people tell me that they've been playing D&D since before I was alive, uh, and that's <laughs> only from people, only from people that I, I know and I've played with a lot, and that's, you know, because <laughs> um, even stuff like that, like when it's coming from a stranger or whatever, that kind of makes you feel real awkward. And, and I know the online group is not... So in the online group, which may or may not have anything to do with the actual D&D players out there live in the real world. Are you talking about the online community generally or the Facebook group in, specifically? In, in specific, the Facebook group, because okay. I have I have numbers. I have demographics on this, and right. I am a mathematically inclined organism. <laughs> Chart, the, charts and spreadsheets. Spreadsheets, man. The 35 to 65 plus age group for that 100,000 people is 10% female. Ten percent. In the thirteen to thirty-four age group, it's seventeen percent female. We practically doubled with women under the age of thirty-five. Still room for improvement there, though. Plenty of room for improvement. Yeah. There are there are three times as many people of a custom gender, which is neither male nor female in all of the options you have on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So we are getting so many more. Uh, people it, of different types in that younger age group, I have a lot of hope for where we're going. The trajectory is absolutely solid. So I really think we're living in the golden age of D&D, and we have Stranger Things to thank for that, and we have Critical Role yeah, to thank for that. And all these great streams with all the diversity on them. And all these women playing D&D. At DragonCon, we had literally hundreds of people coming up to try D&D. It was kind of a disaster because we weren't prepared for hundreds. But we had literally hundreds 
of people coming up wanting to try and play D&D and fully, and I'm guessing, probably 80% of them are either saying, yeah, I saw it on Critical Role, I saw it on Stranger Things, I saw it in Big Bang Theory, or I saw it on some podcast or heard it on some podcast, or I haven't played it in 30 years and I want to come back and try it. Mm -hmm. And the number of people that are bringing their wives, girlfriends, whatever, and their children of any and all genders with them is great. So I really think we're starting to see the beginning of an exponential curve of women and non-binary and LGBT participation in Dungeons & Dragons. I have a lot of hope for the future. I will definitely solidly nominate the Critical Role effect because at MomoCon, most of the cast of Critical Role was there for some panels. And oh my God, I was so swamped with new players. They're like, yeah, we're here for the panel. We've not played organized play. Like, teach us. We've been listening to it. We love it. Like, it's awesome. Yeah, there are hundreds of you, and I don't have enough DMs. We're gonna make it. <laughs> we're gonna make it work. I was pulling DMs left and right to seat all these new players. They were so excited, and I could not let any of them down. I needed everyone to play. That's I mean, awesome. So it, I'm so ecstatic about where our community is. Yeah. Yeah, it's going in a really great direction. Good. So let's it, just make it, sure it keeps going that way, right? That is what I want to see. That is what I want to see. And I'm hoping that women who are playing D&D, who might have had a problem, can kind of take this podcast and either pick it up and try again or work on the group they've got to try and bring them around. Because it it is certainly a group of people in a community that wants to do the right thing. Very good. So uh, we've gone well over an hour at this point, and and I and certainly this is a, a topic that we could probably do a, a twenty four hour live stream for for about a year and a half, and um, you know make sure that that's constantly going out into the world. But I don't want to monopolize that much of your guys's time. Uh, so any last thoughts before we sort of wrap things up? We've covered a lot of ground here, though. I mean, my my only you know closing thought would be. Like if you're listening to this and you've got friends who don't want to play because they're worried about it being a weird situation, to encourage them to you know listen to this, to take part. That the community is great; it's growing. We're improving, and we want to be better. I mean, you can you can tell us how to be better. Most of us we're we're really great listeners. Uh, we we read the rules. We've been taught to do that. So I mean, it's. You know, important that you know communication mm-hmm. is key. Last thoughts, Paige? Yeah. So uh, I have seen the future of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, wow. I've been doing this long enough where I I can honestly say I've seen that future, and that future looks awesome. It's going to have a lot more women content creators. It's going to have a lot more women DMs. It's going to have a lot more women writing their own games. It's going to have a lot more women doing their own podcasts. And I really hope, if you're out there listening to us, that you're you're going to join in with us and do it. And if you have any questions, if you're out there with a problem with it, like hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Facebook. I would love to talk to you about it. We can work this out. Awesome. That's great. So that's where I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up and give you guys a chance to let people know where to hit you up. So I want to first thank Ginny. Ginny, where can people find you on the internet if they want to reach out? People can find me on Twitter at Jenny Loveday. 
that's G-I-N-N-Y, L-O-V-E-D-A-Y, and it definitely says former regional coordinator. Uh, you can hit me up on <laughs> Facebook, exactly the same, Jenny Loveday. You can email me, JennyLoveday at gmail.com. I like to keep it easy. And uh, speaking of content creators, women, minorities, diversity, uh, I'm actually um, looking for a few. So all those contact methods. If there are any of you out there who you know feel that you want to be that representation, feel free to hit me up. We're always looking for help. Are you talking about for Adventures League or for other projects you've got going on? Uh, well, I know people. Okay. So even if it's not what I'm looking for, like I'd love to help everyone get connected with the people they're trying to reach. I mean, it doesn't even necessarily have to be D&D. Maybe your thing is Legend of the Five Rings or you really still love Pathfinder. I ain't hating. I'll, I could probably know someone who knows someone. Like, If you want to be involved in something, mm-hmm. the best way is to reach out. Very good. If, if you want that person you're reaching out to to be me, then I'm glad to help you. Sweet. And I also want to thank you, Paige. Uh, where do, can people find you on the internet if they want to reach out? So you can definitely hit me up on Twitter. It's at Paige Lightman. That's spelled P-A-I-G-E-L-E-I-T-M-A-N. Same search on Facebook will take you to me. There's not too many Paige Lightmans out there. And it's also pagelightman at gmail.com. Uh also, if you get on any of the Georgia D&D groups or on the Georgia D&D uh, Reddit or on the 5th uh, edition Facebook group, you can find me there as well. <gasps> I forgot. Yes. I have the Facebook, Knoxville D&D Adventures League as well. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you. Excellent. There you go. I'll All right. Button. Excellent. So that's awesome. I hope you guys get lots of people reaching out to you and and talking to you about this stuff and continue the conversation. I'm sure we'd all be very excited to see that. Uh, I also want to thank the people who support us by shopping over at Amazon or DMs Guild using our affiliate links or who support us on Patreon over at patreon.com slash the Tome Show. If you want to reach out to me, I am thetomeshow at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I am at Squatch, S-Q-U-A-C-H. And I also run the uh, the official show Twitter, which is at the Tome Show. So that's episode 295, where we tried to make a more welcoming space in the gaming community. In this episode of... The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome. I'm not a